wanted to do this morning is have a conversation with you about the future. Anybody concerned about the future? A survey was done and they found out that 70% of Americans are very concerned in light of the pandemic about the future. Seven out of 10 people are fearful about the future, anxious about the future, and angry about the, seven out of 10 people in America are angry about the future. So we're going to talk about the future. One of the things I love about the Bible is the Bible is insanely relevant to our lives. So we're going to look at how personal this is to us when we open up James chapter James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. We'll be reading that in just a minute. But here's what I know. Like, here's how life works. All of us, you have dreams and aspirations and hopes, don't you? You have dreams about the future, hopes about the future, and we have these longings and all these things in our heart that that we just want to see come to reality. So what do we do? We start to make plans, right? We all start to make plans. I make plans, you make plans. Well, last year, you think about all the people, 2020, starting to make plans, and then there was this virus, this pandemic, that completely nullified and canceled people's plans. Think about all the restaurants that had plans, a 10-year plan. Now all of them, they're out of business. Think about churches that had plans and all the things they wanted to do in the next decade. And then you can't even do church. So this is what happened is that people had plans and all the plans were slammed shut. Think about travel. Travel came to a searching halt. Schools stopped. Businesses stopped. Sporting events, concerts, conferences, indoor public events. Everything really shut down. And yet, so we try to plan for the future, but the pandemic undermined all of that. So if I think you'd agree with me, we'd agree on the chat, would you agree that if the pandemic taught us anything, that the future's really uncertain? Like you just can't really plan all that well because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So we're being reminded that to be a human is to live your life really not knowing the future. Would you agree that it's uncertain? that it's unpredictable, that it's unknown, and yet we have this future out there. And so God speaks to us about that because the Bible's so practical. And it says in Ecclesiastes that you don't, in, in chapter 8, verse 7, you don't even know the future. You don't even know what's going to happen. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk about how to face your future. I want to talk about mistakes that we make in facing the future. We're going to talk about three mistakes that we tend to make when facing the future. And then we're going to talk about three ways not to just make mistakes, but how to actually face your future. So if you're new to church, uh, what we've been doing is we're going through the book of James. We teach through the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. That way you understand the whole uh, canon of Scripture. So we've been doing that. But also I want to say that if you're new to church, you can see here, what it would look like if you were actually to become a Christ follower. So what we're going to do is we're going to read James chapter 4 in the NIV translation. The scriptures are going to be on the TVs. And so if you want to stand to your feet, I'm going to read through James chapter 3, chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. And it says this, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we're going to go to this or go to that city, and we're going to spend a year there, we're going to carry on business, and we're going to make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Like, what is your life? You're a mist or a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, 
If it's the Lord's will, we'll live and we'll do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. Such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. And so let's pray. Father, thank you that we have the opportunity to be here, the opportunity to hear your word. I pray that it would bear its, its weight upon us. I pray that even in this moment, you would help us in our understanding, help us to be serious about what we hear. And so bless everyone that hears online and drive in church and in the tent. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to talk about the three most, you may be seated, we're going to talk about the three most common mistakes that we make. And here's the most common mistakes that we make. Number one is that we, we make mistakes in planning for the future. Secondly, we make mistakes in presuming about the future. And then thirdly, we make mistakes about procrastinating about the future. So we're going to talk about those three things. The first thing, mistake I want to talk about is that we make mistakes about planning without praying. Planning without praying. So I want to talk about verse 13 where it says, this guy says, hey, we're going to go do a business. I was going to be cranking. I are going to make a killing. We're going to make a lot of money. We're going to crush it. And James illustrates for us this story where you have this conversation between these businessmen. They were going to go to the city. We got the plan worked out. And at first glance, when you, you read it, it doesn't seem like there's anything really wrong with the plan. Because the guy is really hustling. He's working. He's detailed. He's got a good plan. He's organized. He's hustling. He's sharp. He's got it sorted out. He's kind of a go-getter type. Uh, he's, he's really hungry and he's going to work the deal and all there. And he's just ready to make this thing happen. And so he gives us the detail and he covers all the details. He covers the details of when it's going to happen in a year, why it's going to happen. We're going to have a business. We're going to make money. He, he talks about uh, wh wh why it's going to do. You're going to make a profit. So you're thinking to yourself like, this guy has really got it figured out. He's got a rock-solid strategy. He's got a master plan happening here. He's got every single piece of the puzzle covered. It seems like how could he fail? He knows his purpose. He's got the plan. Uh, he has his, his business partner. Uh, he's projected the timetable. It's going to be a year. He's got the profit margin. I mean, he's got every single thing in piece in place. So my question to you is this is, is there anything wrong with what he did? I mean, what do you think? We read the story. Is there anything wrong with what he did? And the answer is, no, there's nothing wrong with what he did. It's what he forgot. That's what's wrong is what he forgot here. And so think about your own life. Think about your planning, your future, your business, maybe your finances, your relationship. You want to go to school, college, get a job, get married. And you have all these decisions that you make, but you can do all of that and never actually include God in the planning. And that's what the Bible's talking about here because nowhere in the plan is God actually mentioned in the plan. He's just planning his life as if God doesn't exist. And so people can do that, and people in church do that. People come to church, and they, 
They, they can experience church like we're doing now. And then they kind of compartmentalize it, and they do their church thing. They have a little sacred slice on Sunday, and then they go back to their life as if nothing happened on Sunday. Go back to the rest of your life. And so what was happening here is this guy was miscalculating his life because he thought he was in control of his days. He thought he was in control of his destiny. I was going to see here that he wasn't. And people, you can even be a, like a follower of Christ, uh, but uh, like this guy here. But what you can do is you can plan your life, plan your life, plan your career, plan your marriage, your business project, and all of that, and do it as if you're not actually a follower of Christ. So this guy planned like God did not exist. So mistake number one is this. Mistake number one is this, is planning your life without ever praying about your life. Planning without praying. So, so what's the solution then? If we do that, what's the solution? I mean, how do you like engage God? How do you, like God is out there, like almighty. How do you engage him? Like how do you involve God in your planning? How do you involve God, include God in like your goal setting for your life? Well, here's the first key as it's you pray as you plan. And you process your plans through prayer. So that's what it's talking about here. The, the book of Proverbs is full of great planning wisdom and planning principles, and we should plan. So it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, it says this. It says, trust in the Lord. This is the solution to planning your life without praying. Here's the solution. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will help you direct your path. So notice it says there's three things. It's an incredible promise. If you do these three things, you have this insane promise that God is going to direct your path. And so number one, here's what you do. It says, trust in the Lord. That means trust in the Lord above all things. It means trust in the Lord completely. It means fully. It means in good times and in bad times. How many people know it's not always easy to trust God in bad times? But trust Him in good times and bad times. It says, trust in the Lord. That means the ever-living God. It means the eternal one. It means he who was and is and is to come. It means God who lives in, in, a, in a timeless space there, who knows the end from the beginning, who is an actively working God. So, that, so trust in that God. And then it says, secondly, that you need to, to not depend on your own understanding. In other words, you need to not depend on what you think and what you see and what you hear and what you feel. You don't want to follow your heart, but follow God. Because sometimes your heart can deceive you and mislead you. So trust in the Lord. Number two, you got to humble yourselves so that you, you don't depend on you, don't depend on your understanding, but you're actually depending on God. And then it says, thirdly, what you need to do is you acknowledge him. Well, what does that mean? We acknowledge that God is God and say, God, I need you to help direct my plan, direct my future, uh, what you have for me. Help me to know, to know you. Are, are you giving me a green light? Are you giving me a red light? 
Would you direct me? And then the Bible says, and he will, if you do those three things, and he will direct your path. It's a pretty awesome promise there. And so uh, then you also, you can ask God for wisdom. The Bible says this in James chapter 1, verse 5. So check this out. We don't know what to do. So it says, if anyone doesn't actually know what to do, like, isn't that all of us? Let him ask God. So it says, if you don't know what God wants you to do, just ask him and he will gladly tell you and is always ready to give you a generous supply of wisdom to those who need it, which is all of us, right? We all need wisdom. So think about your last year. Once you think about your last year of your life, pandemic world, you're so uncertain. Every week things are changing. You feel like you're in limbo, kind of unable to make plans. Uh, sometimes you just feel like you're treading water and what's going to happen next. And you feel stuck at times. And you feel like sometimes you're just kind of surviving and trying to get by. So I get all that. And you can sort of feel, I think, paralyzed by the pandemic. So here's a challenge that I want to make to you in light of what we're talking about. Is a, a pandemic planning challenge. I want to encourage you to, to do this. To make a plan for this year. To maybe take 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour this week and make a plan. Pause, get alone, start to plan. It's like, what do you want to do this year? And then prayerfully pray through that. It could be a personal plan maybe for your next step. Maybe it'll be spiritually, sort of what you would like to do spiritually. Maybe it's a plan for your family. Maybe it's a, a plan to have a serve experience, maybe to make a difference in the community, perhaps in your finances, perhaps uh, your next step in your education, in college, or your career. But some next step that you want to make where you're, it's a goal-setting time. And so you stop and you pause and you pray. And the one thing that you, you want to process is really what do you want to do this year? And the Bible talks much about planning that we want to do that. In fact, in Psalm 119, David said this. He said, I'll run your course that you lay out for me if you'll just show me how. So one of the things that you want to do as you are planning is you want to pray, pray, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what would this look like in my life? What is your will for me? Not just my will. So the first way that you can deal with an uncertain future is that you pray when you plan. We can all do that. So mistake number one is to plan without praying, what this guy did in the story. And the answer is, you plan with praying. Number two mistake is what we make about the future. And we presume on the future. Check out verse 14. It's on the, on the TV screens there. It says, why? You don't even know what your life will be like or what's like going to happen tomorrow. So think about this. This is a mistake all of us make. We presume on tomorrow. I have done this. You have done this. So what does that look like? Well, you're making all these plans in the story. We're going to go to this city. Here's our business plan. Here's how we're going to execute. It's going to take a year. Here's our profit margin. And he says, and, and James says, wait a second. Like, you don't even know about tomorrow, and you're making all these plans as if you know that they're going to happen. So, in fact, James, I think, is even being really generous when you think about it 
do we really even know what's going to happen today? Like, do I know what's going to happen today? I really don't. I mean, I have a plan for today. My wife and I were talking last night, and we're going to go to REI Co-op, and we got this gift certificate. And she generously said to me, Rod, you can, you can have the gift certificate. Let's go tomorrow. We'll go have lunch. And I thought, well, who am I to say no to your generosity? And so, uh, so we're actually going to go there. And uh, we drove separately. So she'll drive home. I'll drive home, meet her at the house. But is there a guarantee that I will make it to the house? There's really not. There was a guy named Scott that worked here a few years ago. He's just an amazingly awesome guy. He'd be the last one here. And he would clean up and he would, he would put all the stuff away. And Todd saw his wife, Kim, he said, honey, I'll see you in a little bit. I just got a few more things to put away. And he had a massive heart attack on our campus. And he was in God's presence like, like that. And his wife got the call that he was in the emergency room. And, and it was over for him. You see, we don't even have a guarantee for today. And so we plan like tomorrow, next year, 10 years from now, five years. And there's no guarantee is what, is what the Bible is saying. Like you think about the 9-11 crisis. Like who knew the 9-11 crisis was going to happen? You think just about like the El Dorado fire last year. We never knew the day before or Hurricane Katrina a couple years ago. We never knew that was going to happen. And that really is the, uh, the reality of life is we don't know. So a mistake that we make is we presume all about tomorrow when the reality is we don't really know about tomorrow. Think about your life. If you were just to write down the words, if you were taking notes, and you would write down my L-I-F-E. Okay, you're writing down your L-I-F-E. If you circled the two middle letters, if. Like, that's the reality of your life is, if my life, like, nothing is certain about my life. Absolutely nothing. So, so what is certain? Well, God is unchanging in all of his ways. God's truth is certain. His goodness, his love, his kindness, his promises. God is certain, but after that, in the, everything we can see is uncertain. So how then do we plan our future? Like last year, everybody had their plans, and a little microscopic virus shows up, and all the plans are canceled. All the dreams are canceled. And I was looking up last night, all the restaurants, I'm sure they had their plans, soup plantation, done, IHOP, done, Pizza Hut, almost done, Fuddruckers, done, all these businesses and restaurants, all done, 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 yet they had these plans, and they were presuming on the future, Think about everybody's going to go to school. No, you're not. You're presuming that you were, but no, you couldn't go to school. Presuming you're going to go to work every day. No, you're going to work from home. So school canceled, sports canceled, all these things. So mistake number two is that we presume about tomorrow. A few years ago, I was in Zimbabwe, and Zimbabwe had unbelievable economic instability. So in Zimbabwe, it was so unstable that they started to print $100 billion bills. Hundred. So I was there. 
I stayed with the family, the Williams family, right there in Harare, who were business people, and they told me what it was like. And this is what it was like. On Monday, you could have a million Zimbabwean dollars in your account. You could buy like a massive estate with a million dollars. But you know, the next day, you couldn't even buy lunch. Because your million dollars in one day in Zimbabwe, on Monday, on Tuesday, was a buck fifty. Went from a million dollars to a buck fifty. I was there. I, I saw it. I heard it. I talked to business owners. And so, but we can presume on tomorrow. And the Bible's saying, you know, you need to rethink that because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. See why you want to follow the Bible. So, but we do know this. If you're a Christ follower, you do know this. You do know there's an all-knowing God who does know about tomorrow, who is all-powerful, who is everywhere at once, and so you can trust him for your future. So reading on, it says in verse 14 on the screens, so, so what is your life? Like a lot of people say, here's my life. For some people, their life is empty. For other people, their life is fun and games. For other people, it's all work. But he says, so what is your life? And here's your life. Your life, the scripture says, is like a mist or a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. It's saying that, look, life is so temporary. The reality of your life is that it really is not that long. You can approach life thinking like it is going to last forever. But I'm telling you, friends, people, you know, one moment you're playing with with Hot Wheels, and the next minute, like, you're in a wheelchair. I mean, it goes by so fast. That was kind of funny. I don't, I, you know, I thought it was kind of funny. But, but, but it says the reality of life is like this. Here's your life. Take a, a hit of a, a, of a, a vapor. Okay, people vapor, smoke, and then to see that puff. Every time you see that, you just think, like, that's like my life. It's just like a puff or a mist. It was cold this morning. You can see your breath, and then it's gone. And that's what it's literally saying. The word in the original language in, is, in Greek is atmo, which, which is where we get our word atmosphere from, where the atmosphere changes so quickly. It's not even a fog that burns off and takes hours. Saying like, No, it's just like your breath, like a vapor, a mist, and then you're gone. So this is what the Bible is saying about our time. We can think like we're super, Superman, like I'm Superman, got a big S on my chest, I'm Superwoman. And the Bible is saying here, and James like, well, actually you're Vapor Man, you're Vapor Woman, and you need a big V on your chest because there's no S to be given. So you have no guarantee about tomorrow is what it's saying. The reality is this, is that I am one heartbeat away from eternity. And so are you, just a heartbeat away. So what the Bible is saying is, knowing that, don't presume on tomorrow that you got all this time that you think you have. You better get on with life. See, you need to recognize the brevity of life. The Bible puts it this way in the Old Testament. In First Chronicles it says, our days on earth are like a shadow. In Psalm 90, verse 10, it puts it this way. It says, our days on life are soon gone. It says, teach us then to number our days, because in the numbering of our days, we gain a heart of wisdom. 
And the reality is this, whether or not you want to you do it, ah, you know, just blow that off. I'm not going to number my days. I'm not going to think about my day. Well, you, you don't have to do that, but whether or not you want to number your days, the reality is, friends, your days are numbered. My days are numbered. So it says don't presume on the brevity of life. We fail to recognize that. So life is short. It's saying, what are you waiting for? You have an opportunity to make a difference to make a difference with your one and only life, to make a difference in the circle of people around you before you no longer have life. So what are the keys then to facing an uncertain future? The first one is this, is pray while you plan. The second one is this, is that you want to make each day count. Don't presume on the future. Now look at verse verse 15. The solution, he says, instead you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live, meaning I don't have forever to do this or that. I think this phrase, if it's the Lord's will, is one that we really need to get comfortable with. If it's the Lord's will, it's something that we want to build into our lives. When we're thinking about long-term planning, we want to think about, is this the Lord's will or is this just, is this Rod's will? Is it my will? Am I choosing just to do something that is good or is I choosing something to do that this is actually like God's best for my life? He says, this is how we should live. We should live this way. We ought to say this, if it's the Lord's will. So it doesn't mean that any time you're planning a future event, like, hey, you think you're going to make it to the party? Well, if it's the Lord's will. It's not not talking about that. What it's really saying is that James is saying, like, our future, our plans, which may be awesome, they may be right, they may be good, but they should be formed by, shaped by, fueled by, is this God's sovereign plan for my life, or is it just a good idea? Is it just a good idea that's moving me out of state? Or is it God's will that's moving me out of state? So this is how we want to think. and Because, again, we can live this way. We can live this way where we have this, all these things in our hearts and our minds that we want to do. And we can live this way. I have my work, and I have my home, and I have my life and I have my hobby and my dreams and my desires, and my hopes, and my aspirations. And then, over here, I have Christ. And I have the God thing going on. And what James is saying is, no, that's not how life works. It needs to be all integrated together. In fact, Paul the Apostle puts it this way. He says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear. So you're doing life with Christ. So the Bible goes on to say that we can presume about tomorrow like we have plenty of time. So the number, and then again, uh, we plan without praying. And the last thing is this. When it comes to our future, the mistake that we make, and we have all made this mistake multiple times, and that is that we put off tomorrow or we procrastinate about tomorrow. Look at what the Bible says in verse 17. If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do, like something is in your heart that you feel like this is what my life needs to be about, it's good. If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it to that person, it's actually sin. You mean like you you can sin by like not doing anything? 
Yeah, that's what the, the Scripture says. You can sin by not doing anything. You mean you can sin like by, like by just postponing it? Like by delaying it? By like holding back and, and hitting the pause button and dragging my feet? Well, yeah, that's what it's saying here. That when you have good in your heart, that you know to do it. But you're like, yeah, I got plenty of time. I'm too busy. I'll circle back, and I'll consider that next month, next year. The Bible says, well, that's actually sin when you do that. When you know the right thing to do and you don't do it because you're wasting your life. You're not just wasting gold and opportunities. You're actually wasting God opportunities. Like God is giving you the opportunity and putting it in your heart and making it real to you and stirring your heart to do it. And you're like, nah, I don't have time. I'm too busy. Well, the Bible says, well, then that's sin. So let me ask you a couple questions. If anyone here, the sound of my voice has ever put stuff off or procrastinate, I want to ask you a few questions about this. So number one is this. What is the next step in perhaps like your spiritual life in growth and obedience that you need to take like right now? where you haven't done it, but you know that you need to do it. What would be a next step for you spiritually in your spiritual life? Secondly, here's another question. What is it that you know to do, that you know to do that is good, that you maybe even sense like God wants you to do, but you've been putting it off? You've been postponing and, uh, and postponing again and again and again. Maybe it's to reconcile a relationship. Maybe it's to forgive a person. Maybe it's to get right with God. Maybe it's to give your life to Christ. Maybe you've been thinking about it sometime. Maybe it's some to do something in the community. Maybe it's a serve experience, but something that you've been putting off. And, you know, we become pros basically at making excuses, don't we? We, we, we take it to new levels making excuses. But think about this. There's just an excuse that is standing between you and what is good. An excuse standing between you and what God wants you to do. And so people say, I'm going to get around to it like one of these days. And when we take that posture, I'm going to get around to it one of these days. Friends, would you agree with me that it becomes none of these days? It's true, isn't it? And then we can say, hey, well, I, I'm thinking about it. I'm aiming. I, I, I'm, I'm aiming. Well, I'm aiming. Well, well, what about the, the day comes you just rather than put it off and procrastinate where you, you pull the trigger? Why? Well, what about this year you were pull the trigger? What about instead of during the pandemic, you're treading water and surviving and all that? And you're never really getting around till next week, next month, next year. So as your friend, as your pastor, as one who really does care a lot about you, I love you. I'm going to ask you this. Whatever you sense God asking you to do, I'm encouraging you and I'm challenging you. I'm asking you to do it now. Whatever you need to do for like your family or your kids or your parents or your grandparents that you need to do, I'm asking you to do it 
now. I'm asking you whatever you need to do for your wife or your husband, not to put it off, but to do it now. See, whatever God is stirring in your heart, making real this, you need to do that now. Don't presume about tomorrow. Don't, pos- don't postpone it. See, and then those of you that you're here, maybe you've been considering for some time, I think I need to, like, I need to do something like with God. I need, I need to be right with God. I need to take a step. I need to, I need to be more intentional. I just kind of been out there. So if that's you, I want to just, I want to close in prayer. We would bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to pray for all of us. I just want to encourage you that today you can begin a friendship. We love friendship. You can actually be a friend of God. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, in between no one but you and God. This is just between you and God. In a private moment, there in your car, at home, online, or in the tent, I want to ask you, what do you want to do with God from here on out? Are you going to postpone? Are you going to be intentional? you want to take a next step? If you want to take a next step, this is what it looks like. You just pray like this. You can repeat it in your heart. Dear God, I want to say I, I don't understand it all. But I want to let you know that I want to take a step toward you. And I thank you for sending Jesus to earth who showed his love for me by dying on a cross for me to pay for my sins. And you say in your heart, I need a Savior. And I take Christ as my Savior. And I'm putting my faith not in me, not in my future. I'm putting my faith in you. And today, I'm receiving you as my Savior. Come into my life and make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to sin. Yeah, it's good, friends. It's good. God is good. And so if you prayed that prayer, I want to want to congratulate you online at home and in your car in the tent. I want to congratulate you. I want to say welcome because God is a God who, though our sins be as scarlet, they become as white as snow. God is a God that no matter what your past, He embraces you, He welcomes you, and you become His favored, His favored child. Some of you, you don't, you don't know what it feels like to be favored. Like your parents never favored you. You feel like your friends never favored you. But when you pray that prayer, you become the favorite of God. In all the days of your life, you are his favored, loved child.